I'm Anna Soper. Welcome to Teen People, the podcast where I track down real people who were in Teen People magazine. My guest in this episode is Carisha Harris, a corporate communications professional from Patterson, New Jersey. In the early 2000s, Carisha was a member of Teen People's news team, a core of young journalists from across America. She has since worked as a journalist and is working on a master's degree in public relations and corporate communications from Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. When I found Carisha on Twitter, she followed me back and messaged me within 30 seconds, and I was so excited by her enthusiasm for this podcast. I got a chance to listen to one of the episodes. It was with, I didn't know the person, but I guess a gentleman who had um, been on the news team, like the first news team, I think. And he's now uh, working in journalism, which is the field I ended up going into too. Um, But it just was really cool. I'm like, oh, this is like awesome. I have to be a part of this. This is so fun. Teen People's news team gave young journalists some of their very first bylines and prepared them for careers in media. Carisha spoke with me from her home in Connecticut, where she told me about her involvement with her high school newspaper and how that led her to Teen People's news team and beyond. interesting and why I got into journalism is almost completely opposite of why you would think. It was actually because I was very, very quiet and I was very shy. And I didn't feel like I always had the words in person or in groups or you know anything like that. But I ended up realizing that when it came to absorbing a story and writing or kind of tapping into other people's stories and kind of interpreting that through media, I kind of found that that was like my niche. And so I had started kind of small. Um, I think in junior high, I'd submitted a poem that ended up being published. And I remember how um, good that felt to, to see my byline and something I'd written being, being published and reaching people um, all over. And so I really knew that that was what I wanted to do. In high school, I joined the new the school paper, like a lot of people do. And, you know, my high school experience was was very interesting. I went to a very small um, Christian uh, religious school. Um, I was one of very, very, very few students of color, um, specifically black students. I mean, there might have been like two or it was very, very small. And as you can imagine, that created quite um, quite an identity sort of situation for me. And what I found was that. I may not have the way to express this um, in conversation, but what I ended up writing, what I ended up doing was writing a piece for the school paper about what is the, what is the experience like to be one of very few black students in a school, in a school where no one looks like you, no one comes from where you come from um, and what that can kind of do to your identity and, and the challenges that you can have there. And um, I was very nervous putting it together, but it ended up being very well received, particularly by a lot of staff who I was able to sort of present um, a viewpoint that maybe a lot of my colleagues didn't think about, or not colleagues, but the students, but um, a lot of my fellow students didn't think about. And and so for me, it was, it was kind of a big deal. Like I realized, wow, storytelling, journalism is, is a way to 
um, elevate stories you may not know about, um, share stories you may not know about, get a different perspective than your own. And so I knew that was what I wanted to do as a career. Now, when it comes specifically to the news team, of course, I mean, I'm a teen girl, like any other teen girl in the late 90s. And I love Backstreet Boys and, you know, Britney and all that stuff. So, of course, I, I read teen people. And I just happened to see the little blurb in the back about, oh, you know, apply to be a member of the next uh, news team. And uh, again, like I had just written this, you know, pretty big piece for my school paper. And I remember reading this and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm even talented enough or or anything. Um, and I, I remember sitting in the computer lab and shout out to our, our high school computer teacher, Mr. Reef. Um, I remember just kind of mentioning that, you know, Teen People has this thing for a news team. It would be really cool to write on a national level, but like, I don't know. I, I've written a, I wrote something for the school paper that was pretty good. I'd actually done like a journalism workshop for teens in New Jersey, which was kind of a big deal. But I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough for this. And I remember Mr. Reef literally not letting me leave the computer lab until I promised that I was going to apply. Like he was almost adamant. He's like, you are way too smart. You are way too talented. Like you better apply for this. And so I sent it off. I sent off that article I'd written and uh, a couple other pieces that I'd done for the school paper and I ended up getting it. And I was blown away that I was going to have this opportunity to go beyond my words kind of being read in my high school paper and actually write for a national publication. It was honestly the, the, most delightful surprise because I think for me, it let me know that you have really found your calling. Like this is what you're meant to do. And this is this is affirmation that this is what you're meant to do. Um, so yeah, it was it was sort of, I happened to see the the posting for it and right place, right time. Thank you, Mr. Reef. Without that extra push, I might not have done it. Um, and um, yeah, and it, and what's what's interesting too is that I ended up being um, profiled because I'm from a, a fairly, um, fairly large city uh, in New Jersey, Patterson, New Jersey. It's um, predominantly a, a lower income area, if you will. And so it was kind of a big deal to have, you know, this kid from Patterson selected for the news team, which was, you know, it was an honor for me because I love my hometown. Um, and so I ended up in the local paper because I was, you know, now a member of the news team and uh, Devin Powers, who I still am connected with, I think on LinkedIn, uh, Devin was our supervisor at the time. And I remember Devin, um, when they asked her, well, why did you select Carisha? And she said, she wrote this really impactful piece about what it was like to be the only black student in a predominantly white school. And it really struck a lot of us with how poignant, how poignant her words were, um, how she was able to really like capture that experience and, and, you know, make people see it, even if it wasn't their own experience. And so, it, it just all kind of worked together in a really spectacular way at a great time in my life. And um, yeah, just a great, great experience. What do you think your teacher saw in you that he made you apply for that opportunity? Um, you know, I think what he saw in me was something that I did not yet see in myself. And that was that I was bold. I had things to say, even though I kind of came across as that shy, quiet kid. I think he saw like, no, there's, you got a little something about you and maybe you don't see it yet, but I see it and you need to go for this. And I just, I, and it's funny, I, I ended up 
um, we have like an alumni magazine and I had, I had mentioned this in the alumni magazine and he had since left the school. I think he might've retired, but he ended up emailing me and was like, oh my goodness, like, thank you so much for saying that. And he's like, I've always thought the world of you. And it just was a nice sort of later, later in life interaction. I think I was a year or two out of college when that happened, but yeah, I think he just saw a light and a boldness that I had struggled for a very long time to see. And sometimes that's what it takes. It takes that sort of chance conversation, that chance encounter um, for someone to help push you um, in the direction that you're meant to go. Yeah. And it just goes to show how important teachers can be in, in changing Absolutely. our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because for me, this was a life altering opportunity. It was so affirming in a way of, of um, the talent that I kind of thought I had, but wasn't sure. And um, it just was, it, it meant a lot to be selected for the team and to have that opportunity. And if my teacher hadn't pushed me, I, I really might not have done it. I, that, that doubt might've taken hold. And um, with that push from him, I kind of took that leap and the rest is history. Hmm. I think it's really poignant when we can look back on one moment in our lives and identify that as a moment when something changed. Yeah. And I think what's funny too, as I, as I recall, I don't even think I was in computer class. Like, I think I was in between classes and I just happened to be in the lab. Um, I think because we're talking like 99, so people don't have phones and laptops. I think it was, maybe it was the only place in the school that I could go over the application and apply. And so it was just, I think it might've been just me and him and a couple other students in the lab. So just, I mean, talk about like right place, right time life-changing moment. Um, so I, I give him a lot of credit for that. He's, I haven't talked to him in, in years, but you know, he was great. His family was great. And I just, I can't say enough good things about him kind of encouraging me and not even just to go for the team people opportunity, but to, um, sort of, uh, the way that he admired the piece that I wrote, um, and really spoke to me about how powerful and how important that piece was, um, and how impactful and, and that, that was important too. So. Yeah, like you said, the, the importance of teachers and, and what they can do in a student's life. You mentioned that the response was really positive. What were the sorts of things that people said to you after you wrote that? Number one, some, in some cases, they were like, did some of those things really happen? Because I was sort of recalling very strange interactions that had happened throughout my years in that school. And people were kind of like, did that really happen? Did, did someone really say that to you? I'm like, yeah, those things stick with you. You remember, you remember these experiences, you remember the microaggressions, like you remember all of those things. It's someone described it as like death by a thousand cuts. Like you remember it and it sticks with you. Even teachers, I remember one another teacher who was wonderful, my political science teacher, Mr. Apol. I remember him saying to the class, everyone needs to read Karisha's article. Like everyone here needs to read it. It's very important for everyone to read it, which I appreciated. You know, just just uh, students really kind of thanking me for sharing that. Other students of color saying, you know, thank you for um, voicing what a lot of us have gone through and didn't necessarily have the words to put together because it was a personal story, but not really because so many students, not just there, but in, in all kinds of places, um, share in that experience. And so I think there was there was an appreciation that someone could put that experience into words um, in a way that that. Um, resonated for folks, even if they didn't, even if it wasn't their experience, they could kind of put themselves in those shoes and be like, wow, that's what that feels like. You know, I like, again, I, I was from more of like an inner city area, but the school was out in the suburbs. So the school was very reflective of the community it was in. Um, but imagine how that kind of felt to take a bus home to a completely different area than 
any of these people that you go to school with. You, you, it's like I live in one world, they live in another world, and those worlds do not really cross. So, hmm. How long were you involved with the Teen People News team? Yeah, so I, I um, joined the team as a senior, as a graduating high school senior. I attended, if you cannot tell from all the orange and blue, the University of Florida. Um, and so I wrote for the Teen People News team 2000 to 2001. It was like, I remember it was a sort of thing where you would get selected and it was for a year. So it wasn't like you get fired or anything. It's just, it's a year long experience. So you would have been, you know, working remotely, which is a concept yes. that's not unusual for us now, but kind of was an old then. pro at working remotely. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like at the time? Did you feel like it was an enriching experience? It was definitely enriching. Um, for me, I, so even though I was in Florida, one of the things that was really great is that they found opportunities for me in Florida. So, and then if I wasn't, they paid for me to fly up or for any other experiences like that. So, you know, one one that I did, my, my very first assignment, wow, my very first assignment, I interviewed Pink, um, Mary Mary, the gospel, du gospel duo, and uh, Rod Digga, the only uh, woman rapper in the flip mode squad, which was very exciting, <laughs> but that was in Miami. So I, they basically paid for me to take a flight down to Miami. It was like real grown up <laughs> stuff. They're like, Oh, here's your flight information. Here's your hotel information, any meals, just like we do now when we travel for work, you know, any meals, just submitting receipts. So they found sort of Florida based opportunities for me, but the mentorship was still great because uh, again, Devin, who was our supervisor was a phenomenal leader and she really made sure to keep in touch with everyone so this is like early days of the internet so it's a lot of email it's a lot of i don't know like i guess it's mostly email because that's all we really had um maybe i don't remember if we use instant messenger i don't think we did but mostly email she was always available by phone um, it was always fantastic when there were events in New York and all of our whole team would kind of get together because a lot of us were in college. So not we were kind of reporting from all over wherever we happened to be. If there were a story or something there, they would have us do it. Um, so uh, whenever we got the chance to be in person with Devin and with the rest of the team, um, it just felt great. It was like, I don't know, I would almost liken it to like seeing your cousins who you really love seeing in the summer and you don't see each other all year, but when you do, it's like all good and all fun. <laughs> That's kind of how it felt um, when we did have the opportunity to be in person in New York. Um, one, one experience in particular, I remember were like the team, they would do this award ceremony every year, like the what's next awards, like who's sort of up and coming, who we think is going to be like the next big thing. What's very funny about that in retrospect, is that Beyonce now, who is Beyonce, was one of them because she was still, you know, a part of the of Destiny's Child, and they were like predicting, oh, she's gonna be a big star. So I got to see Beyonce perform when she wasn't like really Beyonce yet, which is still very cool. Um, but that was an event that was in New York that we all got to come to, where the What's Next Awards and. Um, I ended up meeting some of my fellow news team folks that we'd only been on email before. Um, some of them I'm still in touch with today. Uh, we ended up kind of striking up a friendship just from that shared experience. So the mentorship was still there. Like you said, it was like the earliest form of remote work because they just assigned us to stories wherever we were living. And when we were together, it was just, it was fun. We were just a bunch of enterprising young kids with this great opportunity and super supportive of one another. There was like no competition whatsoever. Everyone was just 
thrilled for everyone else that was a part of the cohort. Did you have any celebrity encounters at Teen People? Yes, I did. So I I love hip hop and Ludacris, who is now a mega, super, mega, mega superstar, was kind of just up and coming. I happened to be home in New Jersey for spring break and he was doing a concert in New York. So they sent me to interview him and it was so fun. It was so exciting. And he and his whole crew were just so nice. I mean, I'm backstage. They're like, it just was the most fun. He was just such a delightful human (laughs) to have an experience like that with. I mean, I really felt like a part of the crew. Like it was awesome. And I mean, I had some major bragging rights when I went back to school with that. Like, oh, here's what I did on spring break, guys. Oh, you were at the beach. Here's where I was. Here's what I was doing. Not that I was bragging, but I mean, um, it just was really, it was really exciting. And I mean, I think about that even like I was up and coming, but he was up and coming. He wasn't, you know, the way we all know him now from the movies and, you know, all kinds of stuff, not just music. He was kind of an up and comer at the time. So to kind of have that experience together in a way was really, really, really cool. So that was probably my coolest, most fun celebrity encounter um, during my time with Teen People. What did your friends think of of you being on the Teen People news team? Oh, they all thought it was cool. I, I, it's funny. I, I remember being in the mall after this one published with one of my friends, Kathy, who I'm still friends with. I remember being in the mall with Kathy and they had Teen People, like, because they had all Teen magazines. And she brings, she grabs it and she's like, oh, this one, this is my friend. This is her in the magazine. And I remember the young lady at the counter was like, oh, can you sign this? You want my autograph? She's like, can you sign this one? So I signed it for her. And she's like, oh, my name, I forget her name. She's like, I love Janet Jackson. If you ever meet Janet Jackson, can you like talk to her for me? And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> but it was kind of like a mini celebrity moment um, at times, which was really fun. But um, it just felt good that my friends were proud of me and, and were excited about it. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I yeah. love that. That's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope that, I hope that person still has that autograph. I mean, I don't think it's worth <laughs> anything, but I hope, I hope that day there's something to her and she saved it. Maybe for the next season of Teen People, I'll track her down. Right. <laughs> exactly. I can't even remember what I said. I just remember being like, I can't believe someone just asked for my autograph, but I'm going to do it. I think I said, good luck. Good luck with school, career. Thanks for reading. <laughs> like signing a yearbook. Have a great right, summer. Exactly. <laughs> That's all I knew at that point. So. Is there something that um, you rely on now in your work that you learned from teen people? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, One of the things that I learned from my time in teen people was when, oh, oh, I've got a really good one. And this actually came from Rod Digger, (laughs) from Rod Digger herself. When I was assigned, like I mentioned, there was this event in Miami. It was actually to encourage teens to vote or teens to get politically active. And Rodiga was one of the performers. And I was there and I was, again, very like shy and nervous and didn't really want to go up to her, even though like my job was to interview her. I kind of took took my time, eventually did speak to her. And she said to me, you know, oh, I kind of saw you over there in the corner. You, you looked a little nervous to approach me. She's like, but you know, don't ever, don't ever feel like that. Like you're here for a reason. Like you're, you're here because you belong here. And so, you know, make yourself heard, like just step out there, just come right up, say what you need to say. You know, it's, you're here because you're supposed to be here. And I think even now, I mean, I'm 39 and I've worked in communications now for 15 plus years. 
And I still kind of go back to that advice that Rod Digga gave me was like, take up space. Like you belong here. You, whatever you need to do to get your work done, you can open your mouth, you can use your voice um, and you can take up space because you're supposed to. So don't ever doubt that about yourself. And I thank you, Rod Digga, for that advice. It has, it has stuck with me ever since. What advice would you give someone coming up today? Oh, gosh. Um, I would probably, my advice would be that you're here, similar to what Rodriguez said to me, I would expand on it a bit. I would say, you are here because you are supposed to be here. And being your authentic self is your superpower. Don't ever forget that. You, your experience, your life, what you're bringing to the table that is the value add. Like you are the value add and don't ever forget that and always operate in that truth. Um, it'll take you really far. That'd be my advice. I think that's really demonstrated in your first byline. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Joining the news team really gave me a great deal of confidence that, you know, I can do anything I want to do. There is no opportunity that's too big for me or out of reach. Like I can do anything I want. And so I, I, um, matriculated on through, um, UF go Gators. And, um, I interned a number of places, I ended up kind of leaving print and going into TV. So I, um, interned for Regis and Kelly when it was Regis and Kelly in New York, while I was in college, um, right out of school, I ended up working for CNN. So I stayed, stayed with broadcast for a while. Um, worked with CNN, uh, Fusion, uh, News 12 New Jersey, a few others, NBC down in Miami, always as a sort of like writer, digital, a little bit of social, kind of like a little bit of everything. Um, I worked in TV news for about 10 years and transitioned out of that because I felt like, okay, at this point I've acquired a lot of skills and I think I can use them to like help businesses maybe run a little bit better or communicate a bit better. And so I kind of switched into strategic communications. It's a really interesting role in that it combines so many of these like diverse experiences from writing to storytelling to um, what is this message going to look like on a national level, <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. I really like the space I'm in. Um, I really do. I, I do like the transition into corporate communications. It's still, it still builds on a lot of those sort of core comms. Um, learnings, even going as far back as team people. Um, it's still, there's still so much that sort of carries over into this side of communications. Um, so I definitely want to stay on this side. I, I do like this side, brand comms, corporate comms, um, hopefully eventually um, just rising on up. And, you know, I've, I've had um, direct reports in the past. And one of the things I really loved about it was just seeing talent and other people kind of like, this is all full circle kind of like Mr. Reith did for me. Like, I really, really like, you know, hiring people who I think are really smart and brilliant and maybe just need that sort of training and just that opportunity. Like they just need that opportunity the same way I just needed that opportunity to realize what I was capable of. So, um, you know, my, my hope is to just kind of continue to grow, grow into a leadership role and um, just have the opportunity to do for, for other folks who are coming up in the business, what was done for me when I was just getting my feet wet. Mm. When we connected, you um, seemed very excited about Teen People magazine. 
yeah. um, not just this podcast, but the magazine, that whole experience. Yes. What did Teen People Magazine mean to you? Oh, you know, Teen People Magazine, even apart from being a part of the news team, I was a part of what it meant to me, but I think I saw myself a lot in Teen People Magazine. I feel like Teen People stood out because, as you mentioned, they really featured real teens. Not only the glamorous ones who were just so on top of fashion, because I probably wore the same pair of jeans like every week in high school. I mean, they really tapped into who we were and where we were in life and everything we were trying to figure out and probably failing at half the time, but it's okay that you're failing because we're figuring it out together. I feel like they were really, really ahead of their time in terms of like figuring out the pulse of what teens cared about, like real teens, like not only airbrushed, glamorous, unattainable sort of teen life, but just real teen life. Um, I feel like it was a perfect mix of that. And of course we loved our celebrities and, um, you know, boy bands and fashion and, you know, all that stuff too. But it was, I feel like it was just such an awesome blend of those things that um, it was just, it was no matter who you are, no, no matter who you were, um, what path you were on in life, you know, during your teen years, I feel like teen people really tapped into who you were and it really saw and valued us for who we were in a way that maybe other teen publications, I don't want to say didn't, but maybe just didn't do quite as well as teen people did. Um, it made me kind of sad because I know you mentioned you stopped after a while. And I, I similarly, I mean, you get a little older, you kind of age out of it a bit. But I was really sad once I kind of looked back and realized that it was not in publication anymore. So I'm like, oh, that was, it was, it was so special for, for um, so many of us at that time in life. And, you know, I just don't think that there was ever, I don't think that there, ever was and perhaps never will be a magazine quite like them that just really got to the core of of life and who we were and um you know I was kind of sad when it when I realized it wasn't around anymore um and I just feel very very fortunate that it was around when I was a teen I saw recently a conversation that you had with your sister and your dad on your yeah. sister's podcast yeah. <laughs> and he was talking about the 1960s, which is a time for his generation when teenagers were it. And yes. they, they said, you know, don't trust anybody over 30. Um, mm. and, and so I just think there's something really interesting about how we are now, we're now over 30. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just curious for your thoughts on that. First of all, I love that you watched my sister's podcast. You know, one of the things that, that I love that my, that my dad talked about was just that, that boldness of that generation. And I think there was a little bit of that in our generation too, that I think teen people just, just caught in a, in a really interesting way. Now, what's interesting for me is that I'm, I'm sort of unique in that I have children who are of this next generation that everyone's trying to figure out how to reach them. I can't figure out how to reach them and I'm their mother. So, um, you know, I think that that's, gosh, that is just, I think there's some challenges there because the way they consume media is just so different. I was at a, like a high school, my daughter's high school football game the other day. And I said to my partner, I was like, do you ever like feel like you're not an adulty enough adult? Because I sometimes feel that way. Like, even though 
I'm a parent here, just like everybody else. I mean, granted, I, I had my kids a little bit younger right after college. I was like, but I sometimes just don't feel like a very adulty adult, <laughs> even when I'm in these moments. And, you know, I, I remember being in the car with my daughter recently and a song, I can't remember what song, but it was something that was definitely from the teen people era came on the radio. And I'm just like, like jamming and like singing along. And I asked her, cause I was just curious. I was like, does this song sound old to you? Cause I really wanted to know. And she was like, yeah, kind of. And it kind of was mind blowing for me that I'm like, this to me just sounds like I'm at a party in high school and it still sounds great, but my daughter heard it and recognized it as this sounds old. This sounds like an old song. But at the same time, you know, my daughter and I connect on some of these moments. Like we both, she, and it's like funny, you see things coming back, right? Like so many, um, like girls from her school, when it's Halloween, they'll dress as like Clueless or they'll be like, oh, Clueless is one of my favorite movies. And it's still like, we'll sit and watch it. And she's still like, oh, this is still really good. This is still a really good movie. So it's like, I think there are commonalities, even with things that come across as old, just like my dad's generation, there were commonalities with that like teen sort of spirit that, that was around in the sixties, that was around in our generation that I think is around even with my daughter's generation to a degree. Um, it's just the world. There's something that my, my history teacher, Mr. Apol used to say is that, um, people don't change like times just do. And so it's like a teenager now is the same as the teenager in 2000 is the same as a teenager in 1950. It's just, what are the times around them? And so it's like a fascinating way to just think about your teenage years and how much similarities there are yet differences at the same time. That reminds me that your dad described the 1960s as one of the most dynamic periods in American history. And I think we could mm -hmm. say the same today. I think so, too. I mean, I'm, you know, one of the things that my my kids and I did together, along with my partner um, last year during lockdown, when there were protests and, you know, Black Lives Matter protests at the Capitol um, here in Connecticut, we took them. We We took them because we felt like this was an important moment in history for them to be a part of. And I kind of, in a way, um, I was sad by it in that I'm like, wow, you know, my dad's generation already did this and we're still here. That's kind of sad. But one of the things that my father said to me, and I think he said it in the podcast too, he was like, I was so proud of you guys for, for getting out there because yes, it's, we're still fighting some of the same fights, but like, it's almost like what he was saying was that same spirit that made um, teen culture uh, so, I guess, revolutionary in the way in the 60s. He's like, I love that that spirit is still here and I'm seeing it with you and I'm seeing it with my grandkids. Like, I was very proud of you guys for, for that. Again, just kind of going back to that advice of like, you know, you and your authentic experience is your superpower. Um, you know, you're, you're flexing your superpowers by being here. Like you're a part of this, you're a part of what can create change. Like you, you have that power to make the world a better place somehow, some way. And even just like being out there, my hope is that that's what it, um, meant to them and, and signaled to them. How do you feel about the fact that there isn't a teen magazine for your kids? You know, I feel like they're missing out, <laughs> but I also feel like 
the way, and I had mentioned before, the way they consume media is just so radically different that if it did exist, I really question if they would be interested, if they would want it, if they would like it. If it's not, I mean, no shade to like TikTok, but like, if it's not like a TikTok trend, they have like no interest in it. But you know, they're still tapping into that culture. They're still tapping into that teenage spirit, if you will. It's just the medium is different. The way they're consuming it is just different. And so it's like on one hand, I'm like, oh, TikTok trends, blah, blah, blah. But that's also what they care about. And that's how they're receiving it. And that's how they're connecting with one another. So I think in a way, maybe the things we see this younger generation really engaged in, maybe that is their version of a teen magazine. It's just, it just is presented a little bit differently, you know? Yeah. Um, I asked you a question a little bit earlier about career advice and I'm going to turn the question around a little bit and and ask what advice would you give your teenage self today? Oh. Um gosh, she needed a lot of advice. <laughs> she needed a whole lot of advice. Um you know, I would say to her that your story matters. Um if you're piece that you wrote for the school paper didn't tell it to you, I'm gonna tell it to you again. Your story matters, who you are matters, what you bring to the table matters. And don't ever feel like you have to change it or hide it or alter it depending on where you are. Um, you know, your, your story really matters. So don't, don't be afraid to be your authentic self because there is only one you, as corny as that may sound, um, there is only one you and there's only one, um, you know, your story is your story and your story makes the world better. So own it and be proud of it and be proud to share it and be proud to use it to help other people. You know, your voice, your voice makes a difference. So don't be afraid to use it. How old were you when you realized all of that? How long did that take? Oh, I'm still realizing it. <laughs> Definitely still realizing it. I mean, I think it was sort of gradual. Um, it was a sort of gradual learning, I think, throughout my 20s, um, maybe into my 30s. I think it was, I think I started to solidly feel that way in my 30s. I don't know if it was a mix of becoming a mom, um, kind of getting my career, you know, under under my feet, um, you know, actually going through a divorce. Like I I kind of by my 30s had been through a lot of life. Like life had done a whole lot of life. In, and I think it it's it just kind of forced me into a space of, of being comfortable in my own skin, being proud of my story, using my voice. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it took a while and I think the teenage years are just tough. They're, they're tough. You're going through a lot of, a lot of challenges with your identity. And so, um, yeah, I think it was definitely my thirties is, is when I kind of came to that, but you know, better late than never. And thirties mm -hmm. is still young. That is true. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's been wonderful to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah, this was really fun. I um, I love teen people. It has such a special place in my life. And without that initial sort of like validation of like who you are and what you bring to the table, a thousand percent matters. I might not be where I am today. I might not be doing what I'm doing today. And so I have I have so much to be grateful for about that experience. Um, so I just I love having had the opportunity to talk about it.
In season one of Teen People Podcast, I spoke with three Teen People News Team members, Lucas Pierman, Lisa Wong-Macabasco, and Lindsay Sowell Kirkman. Lucas is news director of The Las Cruces Sun News, Lisa works for Vogue.com and writes for The Guardian, and Lindsay is a social media manager. Like Carisha, they spoke with me about finding their own distinctive voices through this experience with Teen People magazine, so please check out their episodes as well. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at teenpeoplepod and on Tumblr, teenpeoplepod.tumblr.com. If you liked this episode, please leave a review and rating on your favorite podcast app and tell all your friends. Until next time, I'm Anna Soper. Stay well. Stay well.